All right, you ready for this? I thought about this at like one o'clock this morning when I couldn't sleep. Oh, okay. Yeah, let's hear it. I'm a genius or I'm an idiot. It either is, it's either or, there's no in between. Could be both. But <laughs> what if we call ourselves the Pudding Packers and we have pudding while we discuss the Packers? <laughs> pudding? <laughs> um, okay, we can think about it. I told you at 1 a.m. exhausted, it wasn't going to be good. <laughs> I, I appreciate your submission and uh, we'll take it under advisement. All right. That's corporate way of saying, God, this guy's an idiot. <laughs> Can't fool me. That's true. You've been a manager for too long. <laughs> you probably said so, stuff like that to people so uh, so many times. <laughs> You know what? I like where you're thinking. I like where you're thinking. But um, tell you what, we'll, we're, we're going to put a pin in this. <laughs> we'll uh, we'll come back circle to that, back, right? Circle back later, yeah. <laughs> but we value all contributions uh, to the company. <laughs> in whisper tone, we're not coming back to this one. <laughs> it's like the same thing I do to my kids. They're like, oh, well, we can't have more candy right now. Maybe later, though. Like, please forget. Please forget. Please forget. <laughs> Two best of friends. No, wait, keep your shirt on. It's just a typo. Stop. You are freaking ridiculous. Who think they know football? The Chiefs. Or the Colt. Or, wow, the Chargers. There we go. Stop thinking, just read. Bring you unprecedented access to the NFL world. Mike White is now on my fantasy roster and maybe starting over Russell Wilson. I spent $25 to get Jacoby Brissett. Because here, it's real football by real fans. Like a disturbance of the force, as a flip king very suddenly cried out and was silent. The 2M Football Show starts now. And welcome in, one and all, to another exciting episode of the 2M Football Show. Mike and Matt here with you, as always, to talk some more uh, NFL stuff we're down to the final four matt that's what they call it in in football right i think so yeah okay so uh divisional weekend has come and gone um upcoming is the afc and nfc conference championship games we're going to talk about all of that also just a tiny bit of news this is a pretty slow news week in terms of the head coach um Carousel ongoing, just interviews between candidates and teams. A uh, couple of departures uh, that are notable but and yes. not surprising, uh, and one very exciting. <laughs> yes. So let's get into that really quick. Um, <clears throat> it's so it's looking like Harbaugh to the Chargers, uh, John Harbaugh. That is right. That's the Michigan one, or no? It's Jim. It's Jim, right? <laughs> I don't know. They look alike. One's in college. One coaches the Ravens. Never figure out or remember who's who. That's why I usually don't even say the first name, but I was feeling spicy today. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's Jim Harbaugh at Michigan right now. I mean, it would take about three seconds to look this up. <laughs> we are not about accurate information. We just like to throw crap out there. <laughs> it's Jim Jim Harbaugh. Yes. And if to it's, the Chargers. it's awesome, if it's wrong, we look dumb. So it's entertaining for all parties. Jim Harbaugh appears uh, very close to reaching an agreement with the Chargers to become their next head coach. Um, we've seen the Falcons 
conduct multiple interviews already with Bill Belichick, although that one's not a done deal uh, yet either. So no notable hirings yet. A couple of a couple more parting ways with coordinators. Uh, the Eagles, starting with <clears throat> them and their offensive coordinator, Brian Johnson. Uh, when I first saw the notification, I thought it said Ben Johnson. I'm like, isn't that the Lions guy? Aren't they still in the playoffs? They're, they're not going to get rid of their coordinator. Well, yeah. Well, I thought maybe it was like potential candidacy interview. And then, like you, I kind of reread it. I was like, oh, Brian. First of all, I never heard of this guy. You, I couldn't have told you who their offensive coordinator was this year. <laughs> you know, you don't know the famous Brian Johnson of the Philadelphia Eagles? Most generic name ever. <laughs> anyway, yeah. yeah. Uh, right up there with, like, Jim Shue, the defensive coordinator. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, so he's out. He, he will not return as their offensive coordinator. No surprise the way things went for the Eagles and their, in particular their offense um, down the stretch. And then the big news that we've been waiting for. Oh, my God, for like six weeks now. I was going to say six months. <laughs> the well, I feel broke. like in the past six weeks, it's been more and more of like, we're almost there. I kind of just want to lose a game now just to get this over with, but we're advancing yet again. Right, right. Joe Barry. I, this news broke like 15 minutes ago before we started recording Wednesday morning. Um, so I'm glad we waited to get this. Uh, Joe Barry will not return as Green Bay Packers defensive coordinator. Yes! <laughs> It was all worth it. Now man. we're going to get somebody probably worse. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> That's the thing. It, it's exciting to be rid of Joe Barry because everyone has their own issues with him and the way he calls his defense and the way he just reverts into that prevent zone shell in the worst possible moment. Um, but now that now you got to bring in someone better who won't do that. <laughs> and uh, LaFleur was, of course, the guy who brought in Barry. So, you know, hopefully his – Recruiting skills have improved since since then. <laughs> but Well, and Barry doesn't seem like a bad guy. I just don't understand the logic behind his calling. I feel like the players, especially the young defensive players, weren't coached well because there were always, as we'll talk about in the, uh, in the game against the Niners, where they had opportunities to get sacks, and it's like the pressure just wasn't put on correctly or the tackling just wasn't there and to me that's oh, all coaching uh, points the tackling yeah <laughs> like that's not even the players lacking talent it's just how are you coaching them why aren't you correcting like during a game I would be sitting there taking notes okay 23 you know Jair mm -hmm. takes it, it consistently took let's say a bad angle right and you address that that's part of your job as a coach right and it, I just and never this, saw the improvement. And this is such a young team that makes it even more important to have like a, a mentor, you know, someone who will really get in the weeds with them and show them the ropes. Uh, and yeah, it seems like the players weren't too happy with them either. I mean, Jair in particular, you mentioned him, had uh, seemed to make made some thinly veiled comments about the way the defense was being called, and we can only run the play that's called up. Like I, I think if he had his way, he would just be man to man with the other team's best receiver every game. But that's not the way Barry tends to play or call the defense. So of course he was frustrated. Um, anyway, I think it's good for everybody just to get him out the door, and they'll have fresh, fresh faces in for next year. Um, but since we're already talking Packers, should we get into the game, <laughs> I guess? Yes. 
Okay. I mean, I don't want to, but yes. Divisional round recap. Let's start. I what we're going to start with. Well, <laughs> there's only one place to start, in my opinion, and that's Packers at 49ers. This was the Saturday night game. Um, I, I took all these notes during it. I don't think we need to go through all these. Man, it was it was a great game. It was really, uh, you know, the rain was coming down hard at Levi's Stadium, but like the it, Packers it just and yeah. it, it, it just embodied what we experience as as Packer fans and probably even the Niner fans, right? Like we we play each other hard in the postseason. Like it's always uh, it's never been a high scoring blowout game. It's always nitty gritty. Yeah, and I think that's what makes the losses that much harder. Right, when it's just so agonizingly close. <laughs> um, all right, so we, we can start with the notes a little bit. So just like last week, the Packers won the toss. They chose to receive, which I love. Love that aggression there and wanting to make a statement. And they had a great opening drive. Multiple third down conversions. Uh, Aaron Jones looked great running the ball as he has, you know, this entire I mean, ever since he came back from his injury, he's been really good. And it's something like five straight games with over 100 yards which with rushing, which no Packers player has ever done before. Uh, and he was just getting to The work. great Eddie Lacy never did that? <laughs> I don't think he had 100 yards in his entire Packers career. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> That's rude, but maybe not too inaccurate. Uh, <laughs> sorry, you derailed me. <laughs> But yeah, Aaron Jones looking good. The offense was humming along. They got a got a field goal. That's fine. Uh, they scored points on their opening drive, which is great. And then uh, Darnell Savage, who was one of the heroes on defense last week against the Cowboys with his pick six, he dropped the easiest interception I've ever seen. He was he wasn't even moving. He was just standing there. Squared and the ball up. was right in the numbers. In the right pass. in like between a, like the numbers. Passed right to him. Like here the, you go. Perfect pass by Purdy, uh, if it had been to Savage. Just dropped it. Just hit him right in the hands. He was ready for it. it. I don't know. I mean, this is why these guys play defense, right? If they could catch, they'd be receivers. But, man, that was frustrating. You, you have a chance to, you know, get out and extend an early lead and get these, make these guys nervous. Uh, they did end up forcing a punt. Got a nice – got a sack on third down. Uh, good coverage. And also, this was key, I think. Debo Samuel exited the game on the Niners' opening drive with a shoulder injury, it turned out, and he would not return. So I think that was a big help to the Packers' defense throughout this game. Samuel is like their Swiss Army knife type of player. They hand it off to him. They throw him. I mean, the very first play, I think, was a a wide receiver screen to him that went for like 17 yards or something like that. Yeah, Uh, I felt like we were running the ball more in the first half and not as much in the second. Like I felt like we stepped away from this, the the screens, the sweeps, and just the run game in general. Yeah, there was uh, for the. Oh, you're talking about the Packers. Yeah, I was talking about Debo Samuel. But oh. <laughs> yeah. No, you're right though. I because uh, the run game was working early, and it did feel like we got away from it for a while. Um. Let's see. Uh, Niners had a long touch. Oh yeah. So. Okay, let's just skip to my first half notes because the overall in the first half the Packers dominated time of possession they had long drives but they were 0 for 3 in the red zone on scoring touchdowns they kicked two field goals and had a failed fourth down uh, conversion attempt 
which was BS. We totally got that. Yeah, yeah. the spot. The third down spot was bad. The fourth down spot was worse. But... My buddy John and I were talking, like, it's frustrating when you've got some blown chances on offense and defense, but then when you have to play the refs, too, like, I made it from a perspective of the coach, right? So, you're the head coach or the OC, right? And you go for it on fourth. Everything shows that you should have got it, and they spot you short. It's like, well, what do I do in the next time I get in this circumstance? Your gut would tell you, go for it, because you're probably going to get it. But then you're like, well, what if they spot me short again? Yeah, and you could argue maybe you should have challenged the spot, but that's always a tough one. You know, there's it's it's not as clear sometimes um, when he's officially down, when there's just a pile of bodies there in the middle on a QB sneak. but. Yeah, one you could definitely debate. I mean, clearly the spot looked wrong from the broadcast angle, but there's also no guarantee that if it, if he had challenged it, that they would have found, you know, enough evidence to overturn it. But um, it was 7-6 to six Niners at halftime. Um, Jordan Love looking pretty good, showing great composure, as we texted about uh, during the game. And, uh, yeah, Devo Samuel was out, which was a big blow to the Niners' offense. Uh, then so yeah, six to seven, Niners leading at the half, and then Packers just kept on doing uh, what they were doing. They got a let's see, they got a they scored a touchdown on their first drive after the half. Bo Melton wide open for the go ahead touchdown um, after a huge defensive pass interference on a third and fifteen, kind of bailed them bailed out the offense. Um. <clears throat> But then the, the defense completely crumbled on the next drive. A four play, uh, four big plays. It was all it took for 49ers to find the end zone again, too. So we're kind of going back and forth now. And then there was this crazy play after that where Packers were down 13 to 14. Keyshawn Nixon. Oh, my God. This was a kickoff. heart attack waiting to happen. <laughs> it was like a good heart attack, then bad heart attack, and then like, okay, well, let's fall down. There were <laughs> a couple of great returns like this that I watch. It drives me nuts. I understand what they're trying to do. But when you're, my whole mentality is if you're going to run the sideline, don't ever, ever cut back into the field. Because yeah. I'd rather you step out of bounds than risk fumbling that football. Oh, yeah. He's, he's trying to take it to the house. So, yeah, cut it back inside, but lost a bit of speed and got caught up from behind, where, which you can't see coming. And, and yeah, so they punched the ball out. Luckily, someone, another Packers player was, was right there to, like, dive on it. He actually made a great play uh, to, to catch this ball, um, diving catch in the air to make sure Packers kept possession. But, yeah, that was a scary moment for sure. And then just a few plays later, Jordan Love found Tucker Kraft on a great uh, play design for uh, the touchdown. And then they went for two, which I love to go up by seven points, uh, 21 to 14. And I believe that was the score going into the fourth quarter. And this is where things went off the rails for green Bay. And we talk a lot about, or we, we have been talking a lot about Jordan love and how even keel he is, how he keeps his, keeps his cool under no matter how big the situation gets. But, um, I mean, obviously a couple things combined to make them end up losing this game. But I think one thing that happened was was Love got a little nervous. Understandable. Biggest game of his pro career, you know. But there, um, there were three straight drives where he made bad plays, where uh, there were plays to be made. Uh, but it ended up 
giving the ball back to San Francisco. And here first, um, let's see. Oh yeah, first was his his first pick of the game. He was under pressure on a third down. He had um, Kraft open in the middle of the field, but Jordan Love kind of it was a throw on the run, and he missed him high and wide a bit. But it was close enough that Kraft like reached up and tipped it up in the air. I was so mad when I texted you that. Why did he bat the ball up? I feel like if it's gonna be a pick and it's that like out of whack or whatever it may be, like don't touch the football. Don't give the defense any more of a chance. Because even if the defense, the the defensive back dove for it, it was still a chance 50-50 if they could have caught it. But when you deflect it straight up, it's like, oh, come on now. (laughs) It's like trying to feel the punt, right? It's just up in the air. All you have to do is bucket it with your hands, and you're going to pick it. Oh, I mean, Darnell Savage probably would have dropped it. But, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But, yeah, obviously Kraft's not thinking in the moment. It's just like a, you know, reflex. He's going to try to make this one-handed grab, I guess. But, uh, yeah, just tipped it right up into the air, which is the most dangerous place for a pass to, to be. And, obviously, got intercepted. I forgot to mention the Packers blocked a field goal right before halftime. Um, that was exciting to keep it seven, six. Okay. Anyway, back to this, um, <laughs> the, uh, interception led straight to a field goal by San Francisco to make it 21, 17. And I knew they were going to, I hate when stuff like this happens because at the beginning of the quarter, it was, uh, it was still a seven point lead for the Packers. They showed this graphic that Kyle Shanahan was, 0-30 when leading by more than five points in the fourth quarter, which is such a stupid stat to begin with. Um, but I mean, I, we say that a lot of time, but like that was part of the reason why I chose Green Bay over Dallas was because of these stats. That's like, you know, Dallas has hasn't won when Green Bay's visited AT and T Stadium in like the past six of ten times. So it's like, well, you know what? That leads creeds to it, and it's weird. They exist for a reason, right? Well, yeah, but for me, it just, I just knew, I just thought immediately like, oh, well, of course, this is going to be the first time they, they do it. Well, yeah. <laughs> That's why it made me mad. It's like when they show a stat before a kicker's about to go for a field goal. It's like, he has gone a like kick all year. <laughs> 10 for 10 on inside the 40 and just freaking whips Shoot it right it. left. <laughs> You're like, well, like, did you have to nine do for 11 or, or I know 10 for probably. 11? I know it's not actually why he missed the kick, but did you have to show that graphic? (laughs) Anyway, immediately, like the first play of the fourth quarter was this field goal, making it a four-point game, and uh, that would have nullified, wouldn't have qualified for that stat anymore anyway, but it doesn't really matter. But it it bothered me when I saw that in the broadcast. I'm like, come on, man. Uh, and then on the next Packers drive ended up being a quick three and out because this was the one where it was, it was a third and short third and two or something. And love looked like he had a clear lane where he could have easily run for the first down. But at the last second, he saw Aaron Jones who was wide open. If he could have gotten him this ball, it would have been fine, but it was another throw on the run, a little bit nervous, a little panicked last second look that he saw him open and he, he missed him wide and he couldn't make the catch. Uh, forcing the Packers to punt again. <clears throat> and this is where, and, and then, but the defense, you know, we've talked, they've had their struggles, but defense forced to stop again after that. Packers got the ball back uh, once more uh, with about nine and a half minutes left in the game, still up by four. And 
this is the moment where I thought like, oh my gosh, we're going to do this because on the first play of this drive, we had been talking about Aaron Jones, lack of involvement. They give him the ball. He rips off a huge run starting at the Packers 10, got all the way down around the Niners 30 yard line. Like a, yeah, let me do that, man. Like a 50 yard run. And they're like, oh my gosh, all we need to do is score here and we're in good shape. And low and slow, I think was what I said for that drive. Like just grind the clock out. Right. Mm-hmm. That's what they needed, yeah. Which they did such a great job of in the first half, and Jones got them the big play. But things sputtered out from there, and then Anders Carlson, despite um, Matt Lafleur's frantic prayers on the sideline. <laughs> did you? I don't know if I sent it to you, but did you see there was something going around with like they were showing Carlson's like college stats and how he was like. 50% on field goals over 50 yards. And the comment was, and the Packers drafted him. Yeah, he wasn't, I didn't know about this guy, but yeah, more and more has come out about him, people looking into it. And yeah, he wasn't good. He's got a big leg, but it's not like he was this great kicker in college either. And I also didn't realize he's missed a kick in 10 of the last 12 games for green Bay, whether it be a extra point or field goal. This guy has not been good. And, Kicker is one of those positions where I, it's like you can just sign any random free agent off the street and he can come in and, and be decent. And this was a 41-yard field goal he missed, not even a long one. It was just – and that's been his issue is accuracy, not strength. He can kick it really far, but he has not been accurate. And it, like you said, yeah, these these aren't new issues. They drafted him knowing he was like a 50-50 kicker in college do not understand because there's an abundance of veteran kickers out there. You could just sign off the street and they'll do better than this. Well, and it's, it's funny how you never really appreciate a good kicker until you don't have one. Yeah. And this is the like first it feels like anybody, week. like you said, anybody should be able to come in and do it. But then it's like, well, there's a reason some of these guys like Vinatieri and, and Tucker, you know, and Butker are all like, phenomenal kickers they miss once in a blue moon like everyone has an off one but like for the most part nobody like nobody questions it like they draft a kicker and it's like well anybody can do it it's like well yeah but like look at the chargers their kicking woes have been always existent yeah the bears i mean the bears ever since they got rid of robbie gold haven't been able to find a steady guy. And I mean, yeah, you're right. A lot of teams outside of, I guess, the yeah, the Justin Tuckers of the world, of which there's only a couple. And we've had Mason Crosby, who was really solid outside of that one random year. He was bad, but he was good again after that. <laughs> and this is the first year without him. And Carlson misses a lot of kicks, and he missed one here. So the Packers had a chance to go up by a touchdown with six minutes left. Instead, it was still a four-point game. And then the Niners did exactly what the Packers needed to do on that last drive, the long, grinding drive. They got the clock all the way down around a minute left and scored a touchdown to to take a three-point lead. And And then – Oh, my goodness. And then – And then. So Packers had a minute on the clock and all three timeouts. That's, uh, you know, pretty good shape, pretty good place to be in. Uh, However. I mean, it was, I'm just going to say this, this was bound to happen at some point. And I hope it's like, we've got it out of our system. (laughs) It's, it's Jordan Love's first year 
in a game nobody anticipated we'd even be talking about. Right. And I knew I was waiting for a dumb rookie mistake to happen. And it's like, well, this could would have been nice to do this in like, I don't know, the first quarter and get it out of your system. But <laughs> but, it, but it was brought on by the pressure of the moment. So it wouldn't have happened in the first quarter. But it, it, it's just so unnecessary what he did. It was like it was first down. So they got a couple nice quick throws, get a first down, get the drive moving. Dobbs got out of bounds. So they're around their 37-yard line-ish. Um, and then, yeah, I think it was first down. Love escapes the pocket. He's rolling out to his right and then just launches it deep down the middle of the field, kind of back across his body. Oh, no, it was absolutely back across his body. That was the whole that was the whole issue with this. If he had like rolled out to his left and threw it, it would have been like, okay, that was stupid. But the golden rule <laughs> is you never throw across your body across the field. Right. And, and he's like, I got this. I mean, into triple coverage too. <laughs> Christian Watson, who had three guys around him. I, I couldn't even see Christian Watson by the time that ball got to where it landed. It was only Niners players. <laughs> oh, it was so bad. And gave me, nightmare flashbacks to Brett Favre in the playoffs because <laughs> that's exactly the kind of thing he would do. <laughs> yeah. The exact attitude of I got this and just throws a pick and you're like, what part of anything thought you had any of that? And, you know, I would get it if that was like the last play of the game, you need to just throw it up and, and hope something good happens. But it was a first down. They still had their timeouts. They still had like 50 seconds on the clock. I'm just like, why? And I get it. Rookie mistake, pressure of the situation. I'm sure he thought he saw something, um, but that's how it ended. And it was as much as, uh, yeah, you're right. No one expected the Packers to be in this situation. The fact that they were there and could have won this game just makes it like that's that's no consolation to me It's because they should have won this game. They, we should be talking about them playing the Lions this week. But. Um, yeah. Love I mean, the whole fourth quarter was pretty bad for Jordan Love, about as bad as we've seen him play. And, and I think it was the, the pressure of the situation, probably because those are he can make those throws. The first two that ended up being a pick and then the ball behind Aaron Jones, the forced to punt. Those are balls that he completes most of the time, and, uh, and the rain didn't help and everything else. But <clears throat> now that it's been a few days and I've calmed down a little bit, <laughs> a little bit, <laughs> not all the way. <laughs> now you can now I can look at it through the lens of like, yeah, this was further than anybody thought the Packers would get this year. It was great learning experience for a very, I mean, the youngest team in the playoffs for sure. And uh, love and everybody else will learn a lot from this game and from having this experience and hopefully be able to, they've got a ton of draft picks, I think five picks in the top in the first hundred. So they, they've got opportunities to add to this team, bring in a new defensive coordinator. And uh, there's no reason this team shouldn't be able to build hopefully on this next season. Absolutely. Defense uh, and kicking, that's all we need to fix. <laughs> yeah, because that's the great thing is like they've got all these guys like uh, Jaden Reed, Dobbs, Christian. Their entire receiving core and tight ends are all on rookie contracts. They don't have to worry about losing any of those guys. Um, the biggest question mark is probably Aaron Jones, but it, you can't 
you have to bring him back after how what he's done for them, not just this year even, but his whole the whole body of work of his time in Green Bay. I think the time this offense really struggled was when he was out injured. As soon as he came back, things started firing again. He is vital to this operation. Absolutely. And the defense is young, too. I mean, the most veteran player is probably Jair Alexander, or one of them, and he's already locked in on a big contract they gave him the other year. So should be able to keep the core of this team together and just add to it. So the future is bright and exciting. And obviously Love is now in line for a big payday himself, uh, having definitely proved himself worth it. And uh, I'm excited for the future. That was a lot of talking. Should we do a quick break now before we do the rest of these games? The rest of these games? <laughs> There's still three more games, man. That was the first one. Although I have no notes on any of them, just the scores. <laughs> well, then they should be quick, right? <laughs> okay, sure. The other NFC game, uh, Bucks at Lions. Uh, a good game. High school. Uh, the offense is kind of trading blows. Baker Mayfield looking good. And, and another guy who probably earned himself a contract extension with Tampa Bay. Absolutely. Uh, looked pretty good, but they just they couldn't stop the Lions in key moments. Uh, kind of like the Rams last week. Close game. Uh, if they'd got, Actually, they did get the ball back one last time. Uh, down eight points, but they couldn't. Uh, it was just like Green Bay. It was just an interception at the wrong time to uh, to seal it. Yep, and uh, Detroit's looking really good. It's it's amazing how you can have a receiver as dominant as Amon Ross St. Brown, and yet he's like he's always open because he's so good, but also it's like the other team knows he's the primary target, but they still can't cover him. <laughs> I don't know. That, that always... Makes me, I mean, irritated or or laugh, depending on whether I care about the game. <laughs> but I'm excited for the Lions, man. They're going to the NFC Championship. They're one game away from going to their first ever Super Bowl. Crazy, yeah. And uh, I don't know, maybe it's because I'm an NFC Northerner at heart, but I'm rooting for the Lions against the Niners, absolutely. <sighs> yeah, me too, I think. I've picked the Niners to go to the Super Bowl, so I'm not anticipating a win, but I'm in right. my heart like the Niners kicked Green Bay out, so of course I'm going to have a vendetta against them. <laughs> yeah, so Lions took care of business here, mostly on the strength of their offense, putting up 31. And so, yep, it'll be Lions at Niners in the NFC Championship game over in the AFC. Uh, Texans-Ravens was close for the first half. I think it was 10-10 to going in. Uh, but then Lamar Jackson and the Ravens offense just exploded from there. Ended up being a 34-10. to uh, Pretty wide margin of victory. But the Texans are another team that no one expected to have gotten this far. And the fact that they held the Ravens to 10 in the first half was pretty impressive. I was like, man, this game is a lot closer than what it was. And then I happened to leave my office and go into the break room to check the TV. And so I was 24. I was like, never mind. <laughs> I mean, this is uh, the outcome we expected. The Ravens are, are the, the juggernaut team of the AFC. And the, yeah, it was dicey in the first half for them. But they, they showed why in the second half with Lamar Jackson putting on a clinic. Uh, but, the, yeah, just like the Packers, it, it's a great 
first step for the Texans to have gotten here. Even more impressive with the first-year head coach, first-year starting quarterback, and C.J. Stroud. Um, pretty amazing for them to go from the bottom of the division last year to winning the division this year, winning a playoff game, uh, and then hanging tough with the top seed in the conference for at least a half of a game. <laughs> So Ravens move on. And then the final game of the weekend was Chiefs at Bills. Highly anticipated. One of the best oh AFC rivalries. It's such a good game, but just it's the aftermath of the game now that it's just, it, it, it drives me nuts. <laughs> like, the Chiefs are a good team. And I feel like they're taking on the stigma that every, why everyone hated New England for their massive run, but for very different reasons. Well. Yeah, and I guess Brady did some of this too, but I'm annoyed by Patrick Mahomes now by just his constant whining at the refs in games and after games. Kind of started with that Kadarius Tony offsides uh, against the Bills, ironically, in that game they they lost to them earlier in the season. Um, but man, it's just every play, you know, and he's not the only one that does it. I, I know that, and Brady did it too, but something about the way Mahomes does it. Maybe it's the fact that they showed Taylor Swift in the crowd every other play. <laughs> well, it's not just that, but like the aftermath of the whole, I sent you something about the potential of a rule change. Oh, right. The fumble out the back of the end zone. Yeah. And it's like, so every team does it. It's a play that happens. I don't know, like a couple times a year, four times a year, maybe yeah. let's say. And it's like, I feel like it's it's a harsh punishment, yes, but it's befitting. Your offense is in a key position. The defense has all the incentive to to knock the ball out of your hands and get it back. And they're like, nah, we're going to contemplate taking that away. So what is the defense's incentive at this point to even freaking play? Are you, still, are you still there? You broke up a little bit. Oh, it was my rage. <laughs> okay. Well, yeah, the part that's annoying to me is that, like, now that it happened, this has happened to so many teams, and, you know, nobody cares. Now it happens to the Chiefs, and, and what, now it's like, oh, we got to we gotta change this rule. <laughs> I don't know. No, yeah, that, don't. that bothers me. But um, the Chiefs did play really well against a Bills defense that has been pretty stout, but the Chiefs really put it together. Um, outside of that fumble out the back of the end zone by, um, I forget which receiver it wasn't, it wasn't Tony. Otherwise we could make fun of him some more, but the receivers had a great game and it was actually the bills receivers that dropped a few key balls. Even Stefan Diggs uh, dropped some passes late. And, and, and the, the worst part about those is Allen didn't even overthrow them or anything. He dropped them where they needed to go. And Diggs just dropped that one long one along the sideline. Yeah, definitely should have caught that. And then um, it all came down to a, well, it came down to a Bills field goal attempt to tie it. And uh, Tyler Bass, who is one of the better kickers in the league, he just missed it in the swirling winds in Buffalo. Uh, Similar situation where it wasn't some crazy long kick. It was one you would typically expect your kicker to make. Uh, Can't come through and uh, the Chiefs get the win. Just more heartbreak for Bills fans because um, so this is so okay so they lost to, in the divisional round of the Chiefs last year they lost in the divisional round of the Bengals two years ago they lost 
to the Chiefs in the divisional round. That was that crazy overtime game. Uh, back in 2020, they lost to the Chiefs in the AFC Championship game. <laughs> and in 2019, uh, lost in the wild card to the Texans. So that's one, two, three, four, five years in a row they've been in the playoffs. Uh, haven't it's made it to It's kind of the- reminiscent. This was before our time, but there was a point when the Bills went to the Super Bowl for like four years straight, four years, but yeah. lost every year. Right. And it's like now they're like consistently a postseason contender, but like, are they? And, and this was supposed to be the year because the Chiefs looked vulnerable. We both picked the Bills to win this game. Uh, the Chiefs' offense, especially, hasn't been hasn't lived up to the standards they they set for themselves in previous years. But uh, so this was supposed to be the time. <laughs> it just didn't work out once again. Oh, poor Bills fans. We feel for Bills Mafia. Also, because I yeah, I'm getting tired of the Chiefs at this point. So <laughs> rooting for the Bills. But now we've got two. Excellent games on paper to look forward to next week. Let's take a quick break and come back and talk about them. And we're back. Uh, Mike and Matt, two on football here, talking about the conference championship games. Dun, dun, dun. Uh, like you astutely pointed out, <laughs> there are only three games left on this season's NFL calendar, uh, two of which take place this weekend, the final one two weeks from then uh and let's start in our home conference of the nfc where the lions travel to levi stadium to take on the san francisco 49ers the top seed in the nfc and the lions are really putting together an amazing season um they've won the division for the first time i think ever since it was you know in this its current form of being the nfc north uh, they won their first playoff game in 32 years, and then another one on top of that. All on the back of what's been an incredible offense led by Jared Goff, Amon Ross St. Brown, and Jameer Gibbs, the rookie running back. Uh, as good as that offense has been, the defense has been a little bit shaky, uh, especially the pass defense. So if there's a... But they'll play- get past it. Uh. <laughs> all right <laughs> maybe <laughs> so that would in theory maybe be the place to attack although the Niners might be without one of their key contributors Debo Samuel we don't know or at least I haven't heard an update on his his injury status um, after as we mentioned exiting the, the Packers game early so that's the biggest issue for them other than that the Niners are incredibly healthy with uh, the rest of their offense intact, the line, McCaffrey, Purdy. Uh, the, the only or a potential struggle uh, for the Lions could be um, Jared Goff and his issues playing outdoors. He's a lot better inside under a dome. So we'll have to keep an eye on uh, the weather. It was pouring rain last week at Levi Stadium for the Packers game. Uh, I, I actually did take a look at the forecast, and it looks like a beautiful weather. <laughs> That's well, of course, now that the Packers aren't playing, it's going to be pristine. Right. <laughs> like 70 degrees, a gentle breeze. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. So the weather might not be quite as much of a factor. 
regardless of that, though, Goff does play better inside. So that could be something to watch. But this uh, this could be a really fun game because as good as the Niners' defense can be, I mean, we saw Jordan Love shred him up at times. And uh, against the run especially, I was surprised how effective uh, the Packers were able to run the ball. And the Lions have two great running backs in uh, David Montgomery and Jameer Gibbs. Nice one-two punch there. And uh, you know they'll have a good game plan drawn up by Ben Johnson, not not Brian Johnson, the unemployed. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. What do you think about this game? It's going to go one of two ways. Either it's going to be a, a slug match between the two sides, or the Niners are just going to be able to decimate the secondary of Detroit. Um, obviously, I'd prefer a really good back and forth because it just means makes the game visually exciting, right? I've never been a fan of really one-sided games. Usually, I don't even finish those games when it's like, oh, they're up 24 to nothing at the half. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, is it possible for a comeback? Yeah, but the fact of the matter is they haven't stopped anything. So, at the same time, it's like, what do the results actually mean of this, right? So, let's say the Niners lose. There's so much hate on Brock Purdy, it's ridiculous, so, like, I feel like all this does is fuel that fire that, well, is Brock Purdy the guy? How did we put him in an MVP conversation, this, that, and the other thing? It's like, the dude's been phenomenal. Shanahan's using the weapons in their system to their to their strong suits, which is just smart coaching. Yeah, Purdy's, so, Purdy's good. I, he made some incredible throws in the Packers game, like... Just there was one ball in particular I remember because it it haunts my dreams still. It was it was like a third down pass. He threw it in what seemed like a dangerous area in, in a like in between three defenders in the zone, but he dropped it like perfectly over the linebacker, just high enough that he couldn't reach it with his outstretched arm, but it still fell to the receiver just before the safeties converged on him. So I mean this I mean we shouldn't be questioning it at this point. This dude can play, and he's he's good. It, yeah, he's in a system that makes a lot of quarterbacks look good, but he's he's taking advantage of what's in front of him and, and delivering the ball to the open receiver more often than not. And then on the other side, Detroit, right? So now let's say Detroit loses. Does it put Goff into question? Like it, it's does it devalue? I don't think it does, but you know how these talk show hosts are. Does it devalue what Dan Campbell's built? No, it's it's an, just another stepping stone. He's built such a culture there. Yeah. And I feel like either one of these teams should hang their heads extremely high and have, you know, arguably more pressure on next year because they're poised to do this again. Yep. So who's your pick? Oh, uh, do I go? Right well, here. my bracket has the Niners. Yeah, yeah, same. Um, so I'm going to say the Niners, but that doesn't mean I'm not rooting not not rooting for Detroit. All I ask is if Detroit is going to lose, just go down swing. Do not give them the game. Yeah, and, and I think they will. I think that's their style. I think that's Dan Campbell's style. They're not going out without a fight. And if it is going poorly, they're going to try some crazy stuff to get themselves back into it. And I think it'll be a great game to watch. I, too, have the Niners going to the Super Bowl. I had them beating Dallas here. Pfft, whoops. 
But uh, you're an idiot. <laughs> I feel like I've nailed my NFC bracket. Is this what you had in the NFC in your bracket? Let me check, but I'm pretty sure that I nailed the NFC. The AFC that's... went sideways once the Dolphins lost, so that was a lost cause from the beginning. <laughs> well, that's impressive if you did. Uh, yeah, so I'll I'll stick with the Niners, but um, the Lions certainly have a, a fighting chance. Oh, I have a little flame next to my name here. Does that mean I'm on fire? Uh, oh, my God. My NFC is perfect. Wow. I wonder if that means you're in, like, the top whatever percentile of brackets. <laughs> That's um, impressive. Because my NFC championship game is Niners and Lions. That's crazy. Nice work. <laughs> um, and then I had the Chiefs going... The only one I messed up on was the Ravens. So I had Miami and the Ravens, I think, at this point. Okay, yeah, and I had uh, Ravens-Bills because I had the Bills winning last week. But the actual game in the AFC is Chiefs at Ravens. It's their sixth. So I'm three for four for the NFC champ or for the championship games with teams. My only only missed pick or my only two was the Dolphins – and the Steelers. Everything else I've nailed. <laughs> that's wild. Nice work. I mean, uh, I'll never do it again, but that's fine. So so the Chiefs are in the AFC title game for the sixth year in a row. Um, didn't look like they'd be here at various points in the season with their offensive struggles. But uh, here they are. They're inevitable. The Ravens. Uh, we're the top seed, so they get the home game here. And they've been playing great as well on uh, both sides of the football. They could be getting a big boost uh, with Mark Andrews potentially coming back from an ankle injury that's kept him out the last couple of months. Um, honestly, though, they've been getting by just fine with Isaiah likely filling in for him. But it would still be nice uh, for them to have him. He, he When he's healthy, he's kind of the focal point of their passing game, although they've found other solutions with him out. And like we kind of already talked about regarding the Chiefs, they had maybe their one of their best offensive games of the season last week uh, with receivers actually catching the ball. Kelsey had a big game. Yeah, the only big miscue was when McCole Hardman had fumbled at the goal line. And that Hardman, that that's who it is. Yes, I couldn't remember. Um, yeah. But other than that, yeah, like it it really it really looked like they they were back to their old self, right? Like the the chief offense that you know that was clicking and not always like deep passes, but consistently moving the chains. Right. And they've really found a good run game behind Isaiah Pacheco. Uh, that guy runs hard, and uh, it's it's fun to watch him run the football. And the Chiefs have a good offensive line. Uh, opening up holes for him to do it. I think here you really have two teams that deserve to be here, they're, and they're playing well. You know, they're playing at the best of their at the top of their. I mean, you can level. argue the Chiefs are you know consistent, but for the past few years, it's like the Ravens were missing one or two pieces. So it's almost like this is do or die for the Ravens. Like if they don't make it this year, what? What else do you have, right? Uh, yeah, I mean, they've got some aging 
I mean, they've got Odell <laughs> and Mark Andrews isn't getting any younger. And it's they've infused their passing game with some youth, right? With uh, Zay Flowers has been really good. They've still they're burning through running backs like none other. But <laughs> I mean, yeah, if you're a running back, just hope to God you don't get drafted to Baltimore because <laughs> yeah. you're going to be on your third reconstructive knee by the time your contract talks come around. <clears throat> J.K. Dobbins. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and with their new offensive coordinator, Keaton Mitchell. <clears throat> yeah. <laughs> right. He's a rookie. He's at the start of his Ravens injury journey. <laughs> but yeah, new offensive coordinator this year. Todd Munkin really has uh, this group clicking and Lamar Jackson looks as good as arguably as he has since the MVP season. Uh, and the defense is good, too, with, the you know, Roquan Smith, who they brought in last year, running things at the linebacking position. Kyle Hamilton, another exciting player in, the, in their secondary this should be a classic uh, game. I'm really looking forward to this one. I'm, I have Baltimore going to the Super Bowl in my bracket, so I'm going with them. Uh, but can you ever really rule out Mahomes and the refs? Just kidding. No. <laughs> no, you no, you can't. No. 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 <laughs> yeah, I had uh, I had the Dolphins going. <laughs> That's no longer an option. Um, if I had to pick the two, I think really of the two teams, it's more do or die for Baltimore. So Baltimore has to play this game, you know, like their lives depend on it. Like there's, this is a career opportunity because the Ravens have felt so close for the past few years. The fact that they're one game away and looking the best, maybe they've been in the past three, four seasons. Yeah. I don't foresee if they lose, like what kind of an impact that has on everything. Cause they're, they, they've looked the best they've had in a long time. So I'm going to, I'm going to lean on Baltimore over the chiefs. Okay. And then I'm still taking the Niners to win the Super Bowl. I think I had Baltimore winning it all. Yeah, there they are. Um, there they are. What in my bracket? Sorry, I was looking at my phone. <laughs> there they are. Baltimore just outside as, your house. As you can all see before you. There they are. There's Baltimore. <laughs> so what? Uh, what Super Bowl matchup, Matt? Do you think would be the most intriguing? Baltimore and Lions. Yeah, I agree. I agree. The Lions are the more interesting team to make it, just because. Uh, yeah, of all absolutely the unexpected, history. and God knows what's going to happen at that point. <laughs> yeah. Can you imagine Dan Campbell in the Super Bowl? Like he would definitely dial up some weird stuff. We'd get like the Philly special. We'd get the Detroit special. <laughs> some kind of trick play. He'd have veins bulging out from all the caffeine because he'd be like, "We're in the Super Bowl." One of the Gatorade kegs is just full of cold brew coffee or something. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, if I was a coach, that's what I would want dumped on me. Oh, that really resonates with me. Yeah. <laughs> I identify with Dan Campbell. He's he's one of us. <laughs> I agree with you that the Lions from the NFC is, is more interesting. I think one of the – as much as I'm not necessarily rooting for the Chiefs, I think Lions-Chiefs would be a fun Super Bowl because uh, if you can recall all the way back to week one, that was this was the first game of the season, Lions at Chiefs, and the Lions won. 
and uh, that would be fun if that was the matchup to end the season, too. Maybe. <laughs> but if the Niners win, Brock Purdy is a great story himself getting to the Super Bowl. I mean, I just don't get all the hate behind the guy. I just don't understand it. I don't know. It's like people have been – I think it's because he was the last pick of the draft, right? People are just have just been waiting for him to have one bad game so they could – just you know dump on him and he had that against baltimore <laughs> and, and then everyone got to come out and i don't know i don't know why either uh it's like he's just you're not kid so, alone <laughs> it's like he's not supposed to be good quote unquote because he was the last pick of the draft uh, maybe that's right why. just like not everyone drafted in the first five <laughs> is phenomenal you were the chosen one yeah <laughs> yeah um yeah, so I think Niners at Ravens would be fun, too. Just a rematch of that game where it all came crashing down for Purdy. Can't really go wrong. These four teams are all great and all loaded with good storylines, except for the Chiefs. You know, they're boring. <laughs> Jesus, the hate is strong with this one. I, I, yeah, I hate them as much as Stephen A. Smith hates Brock Purdy. <laughs> I was going to say as much as we hate Stephen A. Smith. Oh! I, all three, yes. <laughs> it's, a, it's a triangle of, of hate. <laughs> the hate flows through us. <laughs> all right, I think that's it for today. Whoop, whoop. Let's uh, look forward and cherish these final few games because the season is almost over. Uh, it's going to be a, a fun weekend of football before we have our matchup uh, for the big one. Dun, dun, dun. We'll talk to you soon. Bye, everybody. Thank you for listening to the 2M Football Podcast with Matt and Mike. Don't forget to follow us on our social media, both Twitter and Instagram. Look for our photo at 2M Football Show. If you like what you heard, please tell your friends, family, and others who may be interested in listening to all of our shenanigans. And remember, we will see you next week on the Gridiron.